Wellspring podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. We are going to be reading out of Deuteronomy tonight. I don't know about you guys, but Deuteronomy is one of those books that like, I kind of skip over a lot on purpose <laughs> because I feel like after you read Exodus, you've kind of already read the whole thing and it's like a recap of all of it. But it's just one of those beauties of the Bible is that I feel like you could read a book a thousand times and every single time you read it, you're gonna get something else out of it. Uh, so that's kind of how I feel about this book. So I was praying, you know, weeks ago, I knew I was gonna speak, I've just been praying, like, what should I talk about? And I knew God said Deuteronomy, so I start reading it and it was like, I don't know, it was like a whole new book or something. <laughs> I don't know if I didn't read it right the first time or what, but. I read the first chapter and I was like, this is so good. I'm just going to keep studying this and we're going to uh, speak out of the first chapter. And then I get to the second chapter and I'm like, oh, there's really good stuff out of here. I'll talk about one and two. And then I got to three. No, I'm not kidding. I like the whole book. And I seriously, it's like for these few weeks, I was like, God, I think they're going to be mad if I preach from the whole book. Like we're going to be here forever. So <laughs> that has been my prayer, trying to figure that out. But we are going to be reading out of chapter seven. I think that's where God was leading me, so we're going to go with it. I am going to jump around a little bit, but we're going to read a, a pretty good chunk, this whole chapter plus a little, so just hang in there with me. It's really good, I promise. <laughs> so Deuteronomy is a book, you know, throughout the book, Exodus, but looking at how God had saved them, rescued them from Egypt and out of slavery, and led them up to the point of the promised land, and that's where this book starts is the second generation is about to enter into the promised land. And these are Moses's last words, like that he's speaking to those people um, before they see the fruits of God's promise that he had promised to, their, to the first generation, to their, to their parents. And this book is a reminder of God's covenant with his people. And I feel like every chapter is filled with words that beautifully mirror uh, Christ and salvation that would come many years later. And so it's, I love that, of course, it's Moses speaking to the Israelites and speaking God's word to them, but in so many instances, you'll see it's an absolute mirror of Christ coming and his words to us as well. And I love that. I think one of the cool things about Deuteronomy is that in, when you read Exodus, it's like literally what happened to the people but this is a recap of it to the second generation who, you know, were children or who weren't necessarily born at that time and the new generation who is going into it. So I don't know, I've never thought of that before. Like even though it's the same stories, it's in a different layout, it's in, you know, breaking it up in different ways, talking about God's covenant with the people and the commandments and what they need to do once they enter the promised land, but also reflecting back. I just think that's a cool take on it because that's kind of how it is for us. Of course, we weren't in it. We weren't a part of that. <laughs> we, we read the stories, but um, it just beautifully shows them looking back and how God showed up for them. And so as we read this, I want to go over four promises of God that I think it reveals. We are going to start uh, chapter 7 right at verse 1. So we're going to read 1 through 8. It says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, and this again is Moses speaking to the Israelites. 
brings you into the land which you go to possess, and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the peoples. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Amen, right? <laughs> so much in eight verses, so much there. Do you see why I had a hard time breaking this down? Oh my gosh. So just like verse six says, we are a holy people and we are a people chosen by God. He is telling the Israelites that, but we know that when Jesus came and um, offered, you know, he died on the cross and offered the salvation, this is God's word to all of us, to all of us believers, to all of his people, that we are chosen and we are a holy people. And I, it's beautiful that it says that we are God's treasure. Like, I love the wording of that because it's not something like that God has ownership of but doesn't really care so much about, just like something that you buy and throw away and never pay attention to ever again. Like, it, we are a treasure to God. And I love that. And I love that we are not chosen because we are perfect, but because we were made by a perfect God. So we're not a treasure because we were something really valuable that God was able to buy. That wasn't it at all. Like we are the lowest of the lows and with no value, but yet God came and saved his people. And that's what Moses is saying to these Israelites because they are God's chosen people. And just as God brought the Israelites out of the bondage of slavery, Jesus brought us out of the bondage of sin. Like I said, it's a beautiful mirror of that and that we are chosen by God. And the question is that I think comes up is that first two questions, really. The first is that do we believe that we are a chosen people? And I think there's a couple ways you can look at this. So I think for a lot of believers, it's hard for us, we, we've read the gospel, we know the truth, we know that Jesus died and for our sins and has saved us, but it's hard for us to feel that we truly have been saved and that I think when we ask for repentance that God has forgotten about our sins entirely and doesn't remember them because we remember them still. And I think when that happens, it's easy for us to feel dirty or defiled or not a treasure <laughs> for sure and so I think that's the first truth just I really want us to grasp tonight is that every single one of us every person is chosen by God when we were conceived in the womb God already had a plan for us and for our life 
And no matter what we've done and no matter what sins we've um, done, and you know, when we repent, God has forgiven us entirely. And so we are a chosen people. But then on the flip side of that, do we live a life of holiness? The other side, I think, is it's easy for us to accept we are a chosen people and God loves us and that means we can do anything and live whatever sort of life we want, which isn't the truth either. And that's kind of probably the easiest, well, both of them are easy to fall into, but I think a lot of believers now, that's where we are. Like, I do believe in God and I, I, you know, believe that Jesus died for me and all of that and I'll, I'll go to church on Saturday or I'll go to church on Sunday, but when I get to work or when I go out with my friends or whatever, like that's a completely different lifestyle that I'm gonna live. And we can't have both of those. And we'll get to that later as well, but do we live a life of holiness? And that's what Moses is saying to the people here. He is reminding them that yes, God has done these wonderful miracles that we're gonna go over, but there's also another half of his covenant with the people. He has withheld his end, but they have to withhold theirs and they have to live a life of holiness, and that is the same thing that we are called to do as well. So we are chosen by God, but that leads to the second promise that uh, that God will always keep his covenant. So we're going to look at um, verse 9 through 16 now. It says, therefore, know know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments and he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall keep the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments, which I command you today to observe them. Then it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain and your new wine and your oil, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flock in the land of which he swore to you, swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known but will lay them on all those who hate you. And also you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. This pretty much, you know, I think it can be summed up by saying if we love and obey God's commands, he will be faithful to his word. And I don't mean that as saying that if God makes a promise and we mess up, that he'll break that promise. That's not what I'm saying because there is not one thing that God promised that even it works is there is two ends to withhold. Um, And so part of it, yes, God loves us and um, he cares for us, but he has given commands and laws and statutes um, just like he does to, has to the Israelites now. And it is our job to be faithful to that. And God rewards obedience. Um, You know, just like verses 12 through 15 are saying all the things that he's going to bless the Israelites with, the fruit of the womb and the fruit of the land and your grain and your wine and your pasture and your flock and everything. God is telling the Israelites that he is going to bless them. 
And I think when we read that, that would be one, an easy verse to, unless you know the context of the story and the book and what's going on, it would be easy to misinterpret. Because you could say, well, you know, my husband and I can't conceive a child. And it says right here that God rewards that. Or we don't have a lot of money in our family and there's not wealth for us, so why won't God give me that? And it becomes this kind of thing, like, I've upheld my end of the deal, like, I believe in God and I love God, why don't I get all of these things? But that's not what's happening. God promised this years before to, these, to the fathers of this generation. And it wasn't because they deserved it, and it wasn't because they did better than all the other people, and, and he just wanted to bless them for their works. That has nothing to do with it. But it was God's love for his people and his love for the Israelites and for Israel that he wanted to bless these people. In the same way, God loves us, and he wants to bless us, and he does bless us, but the idea of rewards to us, to the people now in our day and age, can be different than God's definition of that. Because the world has taught us that good rewards bring instant gratification. But in reality, God's unconditional love is more than we could have ever asked for or deserve. I mean, if we think about it and say, you know, what reward can God give us? He already has. I mean, the fact that we're here, the fact that we have the hope of heaven, we have hope after this life, like that is the best reward that anyone could ever give us. But that is not what the world tells us now. It's quite the opposite. It's telling us that if you and your family don't live in a big house or don't make so much money a year or don't own this many cars or don't have this job or whatever the case is, then you're not tithing enough or you don't believe enough in Jesus, you don't have enough faith. Like all of these lies that the enemy has used and has completely strewn God's word and made it so we're not even reading the truth of what he's saying. And it's really important, just like um, verse 16 said, that you shall not serve their gods for that will be a snare to you. We can't let these worldly desires or idols be a snare to our covenant with God that we're just talking about because it is our job to make sure that we remain in a place that keeps us aligned with God. And I mean, that can be different for everybody. And I think, you know, a lot of people say, well, things should be black and white. And a lot of things are in the word. But there's other things that if I were to watch a certain movie or TV show and in my heart, I am convicted of that. And I know that that is m messing up my alignment with God. Then I am called to not watch that sh movie or TV show. Now, does that mean that if Kathy watches it, it's going to be the same? It doesn't mean that. Because God, we are convicted by different things. And yes, there are absolute black and white issues. Of course, we know that. But there's other things that it gets a little complicated, I think. And that is why it's important that we have this relationship with Jesus. And God, like, that's the Holy Spirit convicting us when we feel, when we hear something, listen to music, or see something, or, you know, you have, like, you decide to have a drink with your friends, and God convicts you of that. Like, it's not going to be the same for everybody, but we, if we are one with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit, we are going to be able to recognize that and know. And then once we know that, if we purposefully keep doing that, that is a sin to God. And that's one of those things that's hard to accept, I think. I think it's easy to say, 
I didn't cuss today, and I went to church, and I didn't lie, and like, I did these things. Yes, I did do a few things that I probably feel in my heart are wrong, but technically, technically, <laughs> like, we can't, we can't get to that. And we'll, again, we'll talk about later, because the Israelites, that's the exact path that they went down. But God is saying that he will bless us and he will keep this covenant with us. And so we have to keep our end of the deal as well. And we should want to. It's not like, like it's an awful thing we have to do and we're not going to get a good life because of it. Like it is quite the opposite. <laughs> we know that. Like how many times have we done something that we knew was wrong because we thought it would be better? And maybe for that split second, we did get instant gratification. But in the end, everything we went through and the guilt and the remorse and then whatever came from it, we know. Like, there was a reason that God has called us and told us not to do that. So, we are chosen by God. God will always keep his covenant. Third tr promise is that God will always protect us. So, we are going to uh, read through the rest of the chapter. So, uh, verse 17 through 26, it says, if you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and, all to, and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw, the signs and the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all the peoples of whom you are afraid. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left, who hide themselves from you, are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them, for the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed." And he will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it. For it is, a, is an abomination to the Lord your God. Nor shall you bring an abomination into your house, lest you be doomed to destruction like it. You shall utterly detest it, and utterly abhor it, for it is an accursed thing. I think we all know the sayings that God can do everything, of course. Like, God is able to do everything. And we know the saying, like, God will save us. And, like, those are kind of cliche things to say that we all know. But I think it's different when it comes to when fear is in, like, in the moment you're in, you are overtaken by fear. And I think, I don't think it's a sin to, we know it's not, it's not a sin to, to, for fear to come in, but it's a sin when we think that God can't overcome that fear. And so I think it's completely normal, we are human, it's okay to be scared, but it's also we need to remember who our God is. Yeah. And that's what Moses is telling these people, like, God is, we already know, before you even go into this land, there's going to be all these people that you're going to have to overtake, but you can't, e don't even be afraid before by even looking at them or the tribes, because we already know that you're going to win. Like, God is telling, and Moses is telling them through, you know, God through Moses, like, you've already won. 
and look at all of this that I have already saved you from. And in the same way, our fears are no match for God. And if we feel that fear, but then we give in to that fear, I feel like we are disgracing the power of God. And that's hard for me. Like, I, I have to think about that a lot and pray about that because it's easy for me. I'm one of those people who, like, overanalyzes everything. I'm telling you, everything. And so it's easy for me to s- just get caught up in that and, like, this is going to happen and then this and then this and then that's going to cause long-term with this and, like, on and on and on. And, like, I have to stop myself and say, no, that is not true. I know God. And I, when we are in his word and we are aligned with him and have this relationship with him, we know who he is. And we know these truths about God. And so we can't give in to that fear. And the first generation, the Israelites we know who left Egypt, that's not quite what happened with them. (laughs) Um, Quite the opposite, in fact. They were so frightened by the challenges in front of them that they let it block out the promise that was already given to them. And so let us not be like the first generation. (laughs) I'm going to flip back to Deuteronomy chapter 1 and uh, read verses 29 through 38. And this is still Moses talking, but it says, "Um, Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, and this, excuse me, this is what he was telling um, their fathers, this first generation. He will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet for all that you came to this, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God, who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath, saying, Surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked, because he wholly followed the Lord. The Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, Even you shall not go in there. Joshua the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. That's rough. It's, it's, you know, they're looking back and they're saying, God literally, first off, he had already saved you from Pharaoh. He had done, he split the Red Sea. He had done all these miraculous acts for you. And then what happens? Like you build this false altar, like, this pagan altar. I mean, it's just crazy when we think about it. Like, what were they thinking? But again, it's one of those things, like, there's a stick in my own eye, apparently, because we do that all the time. But let us not be like them, and let us be a Caleb or a Joshua, and be able to see God as who he is, and the challenges as what they are, which is nothing. Like when we can put this into not worldly perspective, but heavenly perspective in the spiritual realm, that's when everything falls into place. And it's just like Joshua and Caleb did, like they knew, like they knew what they saw. It's not like they were blind. They saw what was ahead of them, but they knew God and they knew his promises and that he said that he would rescue them and that this land would be theirs and they were gonna overtake this. And they believed that. 
And so let us wholly and full-heartedly follow the Lord. Let us not be the first generation. And also, we'll see, not the second generation. But let us be the people who believe God for his word and what he says. Which leads us to the last promise, which is that God loves us unconditionally. I'm going to go back to chapter 4 this time. Told you, we'll just jump around a tiny bit. Chapter 4, verses 33 through 40. It says, Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that it might know that the Lord himself is God, There is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them and he brought you out of Egypt with his presence, with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land as an inheritance as it is to this day. Therefore, know this day and consider it in your heart that the Lord himself is God in heaven, above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Every time I've read that, except for just now, that was pretty good, I've just cried and just wept about the power of Jesus. Like, that right there is, I mean, I could just read that and then we could be done. Like, I considered it. (laughs) I just, like, looking back on everything God did for these people, it is just astounding because of his love for them, unconditional And it just makes me think, like, how can we ever forget God's love for us when we reflect on what God has done for us in the past? And I think that is one of the most powerful things. You know, I heard people have told me before that you should write down, like, in a notebook or something, every time God does something incredible in your life. And even the small stuff, the God winks, but the big stuff, too. And write that down, because when you are in the place of being in a valley— and you're in the lowest of lows, and fear is there, and you are able to look back on what all of the times, the countless, countless times that God saved you, and rescued you, and loved you, and did all these miracles in your life. Again, it gives us the heavenly perspective, and says, I know I'm in this place, and it's scary, and whatever is going on, and the world says that the enemy's gonna win but I know the truth. And those acts of God that it's describing, the Israelites didn't deserve any of those in the same way that we never deserved salvation. And we didn't and still don't deserve the sanctification of Christ, but because of his love for us, that is what he has done. I mean, giving his own son, like it's just, it gives me goosebumps. Like, And it's just one of those things like, but God, why? 
why would you do that? But it is because of his love for his people. And because of that, the absolute very, very, very least we can do in return is to keep every commandment and statute that God has given us since it is done out of the love for his children. You know, it's just like what everybody, another cliche thing. People always say, it's just like parents, like you tell your kid not to touch a hot stove, it's because you care for them. Like it's not because you wanna be really strict and make up rules. It's the exact same way. And so many people I know, especially like in my generation, say like, I don't wanna be a Christian because there's too many rules to follow and I wanna live my life and do whatever I want. Like I can say I still believe in Jesus, but like we are missing out on the relationship with him. And so, yeah, you're going out and partying and doing whatever you want, and you think that's a great life, but, like, do you realize what you're missing out on? It's just the same way in this whole book of Deuteronomy. It's not all of these things that Moses is telling them, these laws and statutes that they need to follow. It's not because God just wants to make rules for them. It's because he's smart and knows what's going to (laughs) happen. He knows exactly where they're going to fail and fall short, in the same way that he made commandments for us as well. He knows that we are sinful people and that we are gonna fall short of the glory of God. And that's why he has made these rules, and not even rules, like they're, they're things done out of love. I hate the word rules, like that makes it sound, have a negative connotation to it, but it is the very least we can do to follow Jesus and to do what he has commanded us to do. And we have been given an even greater gift than the Israelites. And after reading that, it's like, oh my gosh, what can be greater than that? But we have been given the Holy Spirit. And (laughs) ladies from the retreat know I could speak another six hours on that, but I won't. But the same God that performed these wonders for the Israelites is inside of us. The Spirit of God is inside of us. And when we aren't living this life of holiness and this life aligned with him, we are not activating the spirit inside of us. We're pretty much pushing it out of us and saying, I think, but let us not forget the power of God by refusing the gift that he has given us. And in the midst of God's blessings on our life, let us not forget the one who gave us the blessings. And this is where it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. I'm going to look at, jump ahead a little bit to chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 11 through 20, and it says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end, Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. 
Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. As many of you know, this is exactly what this generation did. Every single word that Moses spoke, God speaking through him, is exactly what the Israelites did. And they let those temporary gifts of the world make them forget their first love, which was God. And of course, God is all-knowing, like he knew these people, but he was saying, like, do not, he's telling them, like, like, we're telling the future, pretty much. Do not do these things. But it's when we're no longer in the valley low, but we're on the mountain high, and we got our promotion, and we are making this money, and we are getting everything that we've prayed for, and life is great, are we turning to God as often as we were when we were in the valley low? Exactly. You have to be careful. And I think this is the most dangerous place to be. And I think being in a country like the U.S., we don't have, technically, we don't have to rely on God. You don't have to pray for food every day. You don't have to pray for shelter and a roof over your head and a place to sleep. Like, you don't have to pray that there's adequate health care. Like, those aren't things. Because God has blessed us, of course, and like, we are an absolutely blessed country with what we have. But it puts us in the place of thinking, I have this money because I worked hard and I deserve it and it's because I've done more works than so and so and so I deserve it and it it just puts us in this place that is dangerous and it's filled with lies of the enemy and I think that's why the enemy thrives in places like our country because it's just it's so easy he's everywhere (laughs) you know and he is fighting and even getting believers to say that like yeah I believe in God and And I believe he can do a lot of things, but God, I don't really need you to do anything right now. Like, I've got this under control. (laughs) And that is not how we should be. You know, our Tuesday night Bible study, we're in Ezekiel, and now we are seeing the, the back end of what happened after they committed all of these sins. And Ezekiel is telling them, he's saying, because you did every single thing that God told you not to do, because you have defiled the altars, because you have defiled your God, and you have given in, you have meshed with the world around you, and you have given in to these people who worship pagan gods, and you have tried to mix the God and his commandments with that, which is exactly what I told you not to do, now is when wrath and fire are going to come from God. And you see so many times, again, people saying like, if that, that can't be a promise of God that he loves us unconditionally because if God loved his people, he would not have killed any of the, of the Israelites or he would not have done away with that, not letting the first generation get into the promised land or anything like that. Or like in Ezekiel, what he's telling them God is gonna do to the Israelites. They say, well, God can't love them. But again, let's look at the big, the whole story. God didn't just tell them once either. Like, I'm gonna give you one shot. You screw up one tiny bit, like, you're done. We know (laughs) they got a million chances. And it is very important for us to remember that. And it's important for us to remember, like, for our country, 
yes, there's a lot of Christians and believers in our country, but it, our country is living in sin as a whole. And we have to accept that and know, like, God will be true to his word because we, as a country, as a world, have not withheld our end of the covenant with God. And that's just, on a personal level, like, we need to realize the weight of that. And we need to realize, like, yes, God loves us, and he forgives our sins when we don't deserve it, but we also have to live a life of holiness. There are many people, Christians, who believe that I have asked Jesus into my heart, and that's all you gotta do, and I can live life however I want, and I know that's a controversial issue, but I'm just saying, from what the word says, we have to live a life of holiness. Yes, we are not perfect, and I'm not saying that in any single way. Like, we will fall short. It says that. But when we are purposefully sinning against God, that is where there's going to be consequences. God is always going to stay true to his word, and that's what the Israelites are going to find much later um, when they have, there's just been sin after sin after sin. But then, Jesus. And that, as we know, is the ending, the awesome ending. And so, last place I'm going to read, I promise, is Deuteronomy 18. And we're just going to read verses 17 through 18. And it says, And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it's Jesus that he's talking about. Way back in Deuteronomy, because he knew. He knew what his people were going to do. He knew that we were going to need the Israelites, and then all the generations after were going to need a savior because of the people that we are and the, how unworthy we are um, and just how much we fall short, he knew that he was going to need to send his son. And it is just a beautiful conclusion if you think of just the whole story and just, yeah, it just of God's love. Again, it's just the promise of God's love. Because what it, how it should have ended is like with the Israelites and saying, we're going to kill you all. <laughs> like, like, that's what we deserve, right? And not just the Israelites, but us too. That is what we deserve. Every single one of us has sinned so many times and not done what we know we should have done. But then. There is always a but then. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope that that is uplifting to us like yes it is something um, that we obviously have to take very seriously our relationship with Christ and the covenant we have with him but like God loves us unconditionally and when we strive to have that relationship and strive to live a life of holiness even when there's bumps in the road and we make mistakes because they are going to happen but when we have Jesus and, you know, live our life through him, then um, we are going to be saved. And we know that. And that's the good news. So let us just, I want to say this as a conclusion, like let us be the next generation that holds God's promises deep in our hearts and never lets the world make us forget where we came from. 
Don't let the enemy get us disturbed and see every time that God came and showed up, we can look in our own lives as well. Every single time. We know there was never a time he didn't because that's impossible <laughs> because he will always be there. And, you know, I loved when last week Dave was preaching on Hebrews chapter four and he was talking about the Israelites and I was just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is totally leading up to what I'm gonna say. But just like he said, let us be a generation that believes that hearing plus believing plus obeying equals rest. Again, it's not like God made these laws and statutes to exhaust us. It's not like we are constantly striving to just do all, like God gives us rest when we are living the life that he created. Go figure, right? It's like he knew what he was doing. <laughs> but when we try to live our life, it never works out like that, right? I'm just exhausted. I feel like I am going and going and going. And it was so good what Dave said last week. Like, I think a lot of us, that's how we feel. Like, we are just constantly striving for the next thing in our life. But, like, that's not how God created our life to be. And so, may we hear the message of God and not reject it. Let us hear, like what Moses was telling them, let us hear what the gospel says, what the word says, and what Jesus is telling us, and let us not reject that. And it's beautiful that the promised land for the Israelites is a mirror image of God's salvation for us. It's undeserved, but it was given to us in love. And Jesus is our promised land. Like, if we get nothing else in this world, if we die today, we are going into the promised land. And let us hold on to that. I know so many of us are just in a time of struggle right now and just feeling like, I just, I don't know God's plan for me right now. I don't know the purpose of this. I don't know why God is putting me through this. But let us hold fast to the truth that Jesus is our promised land. And I think tonight, as we sing this last song, I just want us to think like, what promises of God do we need to remember? Not just these, but there are so many that God has given us. Which ones do we need to remember? And let's take this time to look back on the glory of God and all of the times that he has shown up in our life and the miracles that he has done and in the word and for his people. It's just, it's something that I've been doing these last few weeks, just really trying to reflect on that and you just over and over and over and over and over, you will see God come through and God be present in everything that we're facing. And so that's just my challenge for you. Like, let's look back and see all of those times when we tend to forget him. Let's change that. And let's look back and see where God was present. So Lord, I just thank you so much for letting us come together tonight and for these men and women who are here and for all of our, our friends and family who weren't able to make it, Lord. I just pray for all of us that you would just help us to not be caught up in the present, not be caught up in the world and in these worldly desires and in the snares that the enemy is so often putting in front of us but that, Lord, we can look on the heavenly level and we can see time after time after time where you showed up for us. 
And Lord, I just pray for anybody right now who is in a place of hurt or despair or just a place of asking why, God. I pray that you show up to them tonight, this week, this month, in a way that they have never experienced before, Jesus. And that you just show them that they are wrapped in your arms and that you are there and you will provide for them and that you will take care of them. And God, for those of us who are at the mountaintop, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for blessing us and in this part of our life, Lord. But I pray that you help us to not be like these people, this next generation who, who let that get in their head and let them think that they got all of that wealth and those gifts because of their own works and because of themselves. But God, help us to know that everything, every good and perfect thing is through you. And let us just praise you, no matter where we are, the ups and the downs, that we are always looking up to you and that we are striving to live a life aligned with you. We thank you that you have sent your son um, and died for us when we do not and did not deserve it, Lord. And we just are eternally, eternally grateful. And so I just pray tonight that your spirit will just be heavy on all of us and that you will just show up for us in ways. Um, everybody needs it in a different way, God, but I just pray the Holy Spirit to come upon every one of us and to just speak to us whatever word that you're wanting to communicate. We thank you and we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up.